0: If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu.
1: All right, good morning, guys. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Alizé de Tonac. Alize is the CEO of Stars World, an exclusive seed-stage startup competition focused on emerging markets. The goal is to actually discover some of the best startups around the world outside of Silicon Valley and Western Europe and help them succeed by connecting them with uh, investors, mentors, as well as other partners that could help their businesses grow and launch and scale beyond where they operate Initially starting off in 2013, SeedStars has grown from uh, initial competition in 20 countries to now operating out of 60 countries. And my guest is going to tell us a little bit about herself, her background, how she got involved with SeedStars, what their vision and mission is for emerging market startups, and where to see the future of the startup industry in the next few years. So, Alize, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. So could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background for those that do not know about you?
0: Yes, absolutely. So I still have quite a a young profile in terms of uh, my entrepreneurial background. I uh, come from an expat family, so I lived all my life in Singapore, then in the United States, passed by Italy, Switzerland, France, where I'm originally from, so born there. Um, And um, I continued my management studies between Switzerland and Italy to start in marketing with L'Oréal, so in the luxury uh, department for brands like Lancome or Giorgio Armani. And two years in being um, a brand manager for for cosmetics, I realized that I wanted to have more of an impact, but also in the culture of the corporate world, I felt as if I was completely uh, an outsider. Uh, for example, I remember my colleagues uh, calculating how many years they had left until retirement. And I remember the, the moment of total anguish of thinking that this was how I was supposed to uh, build my life. Mm-hmm. So I met with Pierre Alain, one of the founders of Seed Stars, who mentioned uh, Seed Stars and their amb- ambition of building an international network. And this is where I came in to build the concept of the competition, which would be the vehicle. Uh, to build this network of entrepreneurs in emerging markets and bringing them voice support and investment. Mm
1: -hmm. So you were not interested in the conversation of waiting until you were 60, 65, getting the gold watch and a nice handshake from the CEO and then saying, all right, off you go, go travel around the world or do whatever it is that you wanted to do. You decided...
0: It's the most terrifying idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now let's look a little bit earlier before you jumped into SeedStars. Did you have any experience like growing up in anything entrepreneurial? Did you have anything that exhibited those early entrepreneurial traits that indicated that you'd be going down this road in the future?
0: So the first um, advice I usually give to, let's say, wannabe entrepreneurs is try to define if you are a builder or more of a follower. And I think there are different profiles of entrepreneurs. I never was the one that creates. So from scratch, from a white piece of paper that can build a concept to an MVP, I'm Mm -hmm. not strong in that aspect. Um, And my life does not show uh, any... uh, um, own projects or own businesses that I could have done from uh, from 10 to 20, but I'm more someone that follows so that from the concept that builds it and scales it, and I'm very comfortable in, in being autonomous and responsible and accountable. So I've always participated in associations. I've always uh, been president of different organizations. I've always uh, organized uh, different initiatives. May it be uh, in a more non profit. Uh, aspect or for-profit aspect, and uh, indirectly, my father is also a a venture capitalist, even though I never really cared about what he did until uh, recently, so I'm not sure how much that influenced me, and the saddest part is that I actually lived in Silicon Valley several years, uh, but too young, so more thinking about boys than anything else. So... um...
1: All right, and that just reminds me of um, something I read in the *Emit revisited by Michael Gerber where he's talking about most entrepreneurs usually are of three types, the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur.
0: Absolutely.
1: You could actually say the entrepreneur is the person that builds, creates, molds, takes something out of nothing and creates it. But even then, that's not um, what you need to Grow and scale and run a business. You actually need somebody that has the managerial talent that can see what's going on and be able to bring together a team, create the direction and how things will shake out. And it seems like that's part of where you are in terms of the manager um, technician side of the scale. So, um, as you went through college and grad school, and you were hearing things. You know, in business school, you probably heard about startup competitions and you read some things. How did you think that your business career would play out?
0: Um, again, very, actually, very, um, I was very much ignorant still uh, <laughs> at that huh? time, uh, to be very honest. So I was very uh, much obsessed with the perfect CV And if you go through more of a university career, if I may say so, the perfect CV is going into, at that time, was consulting. So working for McKinsey, uh, having the best grades, being in all the extracurricular activities, Mm -hmm. uh, going to Ivy League schools. So that was really my objective, Um, which if I had to go back or when I tell my children, I wouldn't focus necessarily on that today. But um, it's really afterwards when I lived the what I thought was my perfect CV of being a in brand manager in L'Oréal and 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 having that that status which I felt was important for me. I quickly realized that these were ap- absolutely not the priorities that I wanted to give myself in my life, and that's where I made a drastic switch from leaving a country boyfriend job into uh, something completely unknown, telling myself, look, I haven't taken risks so far. I did my what I thought perfect CV and I'm bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. So let's do something completely the opposite of building a startup competition, a world tour, which I still consider today my mini MBA in entrepreneurship because I spent a year traveling in 20 countries, meeting with over oh, a thousand entrepreneurs and listening to 800 pitches. And uh, from there, I understood uh, where my priorities lied. So the the switch really happened around uh, 22, 20, uh, 23 years old, yes. Okay. So
1: um, you once said that something that resonates powerfully with you was a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, where she said you should do one thing every day yeah. that scares you. Mm-hmm. So... You talked about how you spoke with um, Pierre Alain, the Mm co-founder of Seed Seed Stars. Mm -hmm. What was his initial pitch that made you excited to join this venture?
0: Uh, The initial pitch was meeting someone that had the guts to really uh, define his day-to-day as he wished. And suddenly said, you know what? before this age, I need to be doing this, this and this. Mm-hmm. And there was a, such a convic- conviction that this would happen, um, which is something that I was not used to in more of my corporate background and lifestyle where uh, it took time you kind of got over it you moved on etc it was not even a consideration with him and that was the the, the, for me the kind of pivotal moment when I realized I could fundamentally do anything I want to do if I just um, dedicated enough time and passion to it
1: okay so basically his passionate um discussion and the ability for him to live his life on his own terms were the main convincing factors for you to join this, you know, adventure. Yes. So how did you pick the first 20 countries you visited? Because you went to 20 countries in 10 months to launch the program. How did Mm -hmm. you pick those initial 20 countries?
0: Um, it was uh, there was no macro micro uh, investigation or an analysis I have to say it was more uh, we want to be emerging markets we want to have a proportional ratio between continents, and uh, we need to have at least at least one contact because we okay. didn't uh, we hadn 't traveled in any of those countries. Okay. I think out of the 20, we had been recently we had been in our lifetime to three or five of them so it was more kind of uh, okay as a starting point we need just one person at least to connect with
1: okay so that was it you just needed one point of contact in each city a balance in continents, and then you are off so now when you what was the first country you landed in
0: Moscow transit by UK- uh, Ukraine.
1: <laughs> okay, so Moscow, and you didn't know anyone. You just had one contact in Moscow. Yes. All right. So walk me through um, the, sit- the situation in Moscow at that time. Like, it must have been a very huge logistical headache for you to come in to Moscow, spend a couple weeks, try and get this um, startup competition off the ground. What was that feeling like when you just arrived in Moscow trying to get this thing launched
0: um, terrified completely because uh, but it was aligned with my mission of doing one thing that scared me every day <laughs> and um, the the beauty of entrepreneurship is it's not i mean you just have to do it it's not that unattainable or. Unimaginable. I remember when we left, everyone was like, "Look, if you do only five competitions, ten competitions, if you can't manage, uh, just come home. You you know, you have a high risk of failing, etc." We failed at so many levels, but um, if you just do it, it actually happens uh, eighty percent of the time. So that was the, the the beauty of it. So. Um, we were very lean in our travel and logistics, we couch-surfed our way through the year um, we had points of contacts that we automatically leveraged to kind of understand quickly the right partners and we felt that it was fundamental to be on the ground so that's why still today my teams travel to each city because you can't replace face-to-face. Even more in countries like uh, Nigeria or elsewhere where face-to-face is the way to communicate and through emailing you can forget any uh, reactive or concrete answer.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So Moscow went really well. The ecosystem at that time was uh, there was vibrant, excellent engineers. Uh, Money was there. So on the financial side, there were investment opportunities. Um, we were really impressed as our first event.
1: Oh, okay. And you guys already had um, investors lined up because Seed Stars World is part of Seed Stars, correct? So there was no challenge in terms of finding someone to eventually fund the winners that competition, correct?
0: Um, no, because we had okay. a, in Seed Stars, the, how we built it is that every new activity – it has its own PNL and legal entity, okay. and every cost center has to become a profit center. Okay. So from day one, I had the mission to be self-sustainable. Okay. Uh, we netted ourselves uh, personally and with the company to support the f- first six months, but uh, at the end of the year, we had to be break-even, oh. which was. Um, and I think as soon as you you create this mindset and DNA, um, every dollar is always worth a. Um, you, you always br- put value to every dollar and yeah. that that so quickly because uh, we really made it in 20 countries
1: What was a significant failure you guys experienced in any one of those early competitions and what did you learn from them? Mm-hmm.
0: I have a hard time of finding a significant one because I feel like we failed literally every day, uh, but we became so comfortable with it that it was more, okay, mistake here. How do we resolve it? How do we make it better? And it became a process that, has, that we know of so well of kind of the lean start methodology of uh, uh, testing, reiterating, and, and retesting. Um, so I, ha- I always have a hard time finding, like, one failure.
1: Is there any example that comes to mind?
0: It really went from... Uh, uh, finding the wrong partners um, uh, until the day to uh, uh, misorganizing the event, so purely on an event logistics uh, way um, to making the wrong marketing statements, things like changing venue and not telling your attendees. Oh so, wow, uh, that's that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm I'm sure I've done I've done it all, uh, but you learn fast. And yeah. I, I tell my team is as long as you don't make the same mistake. <laughs> which i would not like as long as you don't make the same mistake it's fine did
1: you ever have any sort of existential crisis when it came to like sitting down um listening to pitches or screening a pitch for a, a party do ever any doubts in your mind saying oh am i making the right decision letting this company in or out
0: yeah, it was really in taking the time in. So we try to have an ambassador, an official person, a connector that represents Seedstars World in the region, okay. and they help us in connecting with the right players. So mm-hmm. in, sometimes it's uh, more uh, business angel networks or VC funds or successful entrepreneurs, directors of accelerators, even sometimes government agencies that proactively build this ecosystem, and we try to have them present at our event, so that they can uh, evaluate the companies, but more importantly also provide to us insights on these uh, entrepreneurs. uh, Because fundamentally at a seed stage level, they make the difference. So they explain to us if... uh, We've seen excellent pitches, but they tell us, look, it's the same excellent pitch for the past eight months. Nothing has changed. Metrics haven't moved. Or in the mm. country this entrepreneur is, um, is closing a round of investment. So all these insights are very valuable because we're really not here to make a show. We're here yeah. to make an investment decision. Yeah.
1: And did you participate in terms of judging the competition?
0: Um, yes, so the, um, for the 20 events between pierre Anna and myself. Um, and then uh, since uh, last year, it's new teams traveling and organizing it.
1: It's what teams, I beg your pardon?
0: A, a new teams traveling. Oh, a I new know. team. Okay. Yeah. I, I sometimes come in to in five events, five, six events per year. Uh, but if not, it's the new teams.
1: Okay, great. So um, I just wanted to focus on your hands-on work in that Area. Mm. So, um, coming from a corporate background into running um, a venture builder, a startup competition, slash accelerator connector, um, was the lack of experience, of direct experience in startups an advantage to you when you were looking at these companies, trying to analyze and figure out what's a good investable opportunity versus what is a bad opportunity?
0: Um, it took me, so the first, uh, let's say the first half of the tour, mm-hmm. it was really Pierre leading who has much more experience because he's an entrepreneur himself since, mm-hmm. uh, since he's in university and also worked in mergers and acquisitions. So really had kind of this, the full 360 background, uh, in when to evaluate an entrepreneur. Um, so I took a lot, I took time to learn before, okay. um, executing myself. That's why I mentioned that it, it really was the, the, um, an MBA for me in entrepreneurship okay. and, um, I was also, uh, afraid of my dis my, uh, like what I thought was a disadvantage of coming from a corporate world. So not having the experience of being an entrepreneur myself or uh, working with these ecosystem became actually a strength because I had a much fresher, uh, more of a consumer look to these different businesses and automatically felt very much um, that I could relate yes or no to these products and services, which fundamentally is also um, how you make a decision on an investment uh, opportunity is would I use it or would consumer actually be attracted to this opportunity Mm -hmm. or does the process make sense? And that was something that I could jump into very uh, easily.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I I I was going to say that I think you coming up with a fresh, coming with a fresh perspective from the consumer side will start giving you immense advantages, even though you didn't know it at the time because A, Whatever any company or startup does is basically to sell product to a consumer, not necessarily to create a pitch deck or a spreadsheet or whatever. It's basically whatever I make, is somebody going to pay me money for it? And how if I'm using it, is it going to work? And you seemed like you were able to provide that feedback in real time.
0: Um, absolutely. And when I didn't know, uh, don't bullshit it.
1: just keep it straight to the facts so um after that first year you guys went from 20 competitions to 36 competitions and hello yes i assume you expanded into more countries in and around the regions that you were already in correct yes absolutely okay so after that now, tell me about some specific things you brought into the next competition after the first 20. Like, were there anything I you said check- you would not do again? Or were there any particular types of companies you guys were looking for, particular type of entrepreneurs you guys were interested in? Was there anything you took away from that first round
0: of course uh, the format of the event changed a lot from beginning to end Hmm. Uh, we understood the importance of standardization to make to bring uniformity in each event Uh, it went from also the format itself so making it shorter uh, because in many regions especially in asia there was a pitching fatigue so how could you make it more unique Hmm. uh, more interesting more digestible um, now we integrated much more keynote speakers or true boot camp training program uh, before the event which actually became one of the is still today one of the most valued uh, part of our event is actually the one on one training session they get before uh, the pitching event mm-hmm. it was um, the second year objective was still building a brand so still building seed stars world and what it could mean in so that's why we continue to grow and spread horizontally in terms of number of cities, um, and um, and trying to make our our, our brand name heard and, and and defining it as a kind of certification for these entrepreneurs when presenting themselves to European investors.
1: Okay, and one of the things people have criticized um, Silicon Valley for is the lack of minorities and women entrepreneurs, could you talk a little bit about um, the level of participation of women entrepreneurs in emerging markets um, based on your experiences in these competitions? It's um, high, low, non-issue. What, what's yours, your take on that?
0: It's, it's, um, it represents quite well the global kind of range. On average, it's between 15 to 25 percent of uh, the pictures that are women, so women CEO or founders. Um, there are always a lot of women employees so that take the roles of CEO or work within the companies, but as kind of the founding or CEO position, it's true that we're in that average globally. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen it higher in certain regions, like um, in Amman, in Jordan, which was very impressive. I did not expect that. Um, In Iran, it was very interesting to see that uh, the engineering, like the whole engineer uh, sector is full of women. So we find ourselves finding a lot of startups then built by women um and also in other regions uh, it was quite impressive so still definitely still a minority i've been asked many times to incorporate a quota within the competition so that we could ensure x amount of finalists being women CEO but i don't believe in quotas mm-hmm. it's not it's not my philosophy i prefer helping them at the root and being as good as other entrepreneurs rather than putting them on stage when they're not as good, and that's the reality we have to face yes, people. Um, so, so yeah we're more working on workshops uh, we did we did one for example in Bangladesh uh, we are very much evangelist of it and uh, we have always these workshops and discussions with our teams and partners um, but, um, but we'll get there, especially tomorrow's jobs will will uh, we'll need even more social capacities and empathy, empathy, and I think this is where women have a competitive edge.
1: Okay. So, so. going from that, what? now let's let let's talk about your experiences in Nigeria thus far. You did the competition first two years, seen a bunch of countries, you know, learned a lot of things. Um, worked on yourself, worked on reinvigorating the company and the pitch and how things were operating. Why did you decide to um, move and be based in Lagos, Nigeria, as opposed to any other country you could have been in?
0: Um, in Seed Star's vision, we're still at the very beginning in many ways. Okay. Uh, In the past three years, the objective was connect. So that's kind of the first part of our uh, big plan, if I may say so. And in connecting is understanding the local markets, understanding the local problems and who are providing solutions, understanding who are the stakeholders and who are the corporates and government partners that can build this unfair advantage to scale companies. I think we have done a pretty good job on this part because we have now the competition in 60 countries. Um, We have uh, partnerships with private and public organizations to build more value-added services on the ground. But the next step now is to build. Mm -hmm. And building means that... uh, we need to be on the ground on a day-to-day basis. It's not enough to come in and come out with one or two events per year. And Nigeria is kind of our test bed in the building phase of Stars, which is to be launched in 2016 officially, if I may say so. Um, the objective is to launch a physical space, a seed space, seed stars um, branding in 12 to 15 strategic cities by the end of 2016, in which we, in which we will be organizing a more in-depth uh, programs such as accelerations and academies that can really help and build companies either internally through the venture builder we have where we build our own tech companies or with our seed stars, finalists, and um, partner startups where we can really help in building and scaling them. And then I hope it will bring us to our last phase, which is invest. Uh, We do make investment seed tickets. More importantly, our investor club does uh, which are investors that come from all around the world, mm-hmm. but um, in the building phase and really building a company that has its uh, a, a true monst- um, a true revenue channel, uh, we don't think that money makes the difference. What makes the difference is uh, the talent, the entrepreneur. What makes the difference is the um, network they have, so with whom are they able to access Quickly, a distribution channel or uh, or a technology support, etc. And uh, and that's why we're we're in Nigeria today, and hopefully we'll be in uh, Mexico, Colombia, Philippines, Indonesia in the coming year. Okay,
1: so well, we've all read in the news that Nigeria is facing a lot of um, economic challenges in terms of pressure on the currency. Um, high youth unemployment and all that stuff. Does that still, um, or does that have any bearing on the prospects going forward in terms of what Seed Stars wants to achieve in these emerging markets using Nigeria as a test case?
0: We don't know yet. Um, it's true the outlook in, uh, for, in terms of the currency, etc., cetera, um, is not good. We are already um, facing and living uh, the devaluation of the Naira mm-hmm. and the fact that um, we can't take out dollars, which has become um, a complication for us because we're also an international organization. So we have, yeah. uh, for our companies in Nigeria, we have um, outside suppliers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think it is, not knowing enough. Huh? So this is my uh, point of view That is, I th- that should be maybe more informed, but w- in many ways it's a good thing that it finally hit hard, this oil, uh, the oil prices, because Nigeria has to be more diverse. Yeah, um, The economy has to be, um, has to include much more SMEs and services. The government needs to react to this, so so from this uh, huge challenge, can we find finally the opportunities mm-hmm. of building the next chapter for Nigeria? This is what I hope for. So I'm I'm still very optimistic in the future, um, and uh, we'll have to see how we react to every uh, regulation or or economic hit that comes uh, that comes to Nigeria in the coming months and years.
1: Okay, and let's let's take a bit of a look at the opportunities that could arise from this. You've seen different startups from around the world in emerging markets and emerging markets, um, whether people like it or not, seem to have some similarities and advantages that could overlap and translate to other locations. So you mentioned things like services and diversifying away from oil. Is there anything that comes to your mind based on your experience thus far, that you think could be replicatable in Nigeria? Let's say it's something you saw in, I don't know, Yerevan, Armenia or Amman, Jordan or somewhere that you think could be replicatable in Nigeria and could um, lead to a high-growth opportunity for a particular industry or company.
0: So many things. So many things uh, in the sector of education, health, um, because I'm focused on more the digitalization Of all these industries, I always see the opportunity of building marketplaces online, of building mobile solutions that can give to anyone access to world-class education of um, information sent to your mobile phone in terms of your health, which can drastically change uh, the person's outcome uh, from a a pregnant woman to... uh, to having eye problems, I mean, we, we've really seen it all in terms of the potential solutions. Uh, we see countries that more aggressively work on solving local pains rather than the next social network. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think this is a general trend that we're seeing all over the place. Right now for Nigeria, especially in the excitement of Africa and uh, mobile being uh, the interface with uh, potential consumers and citizens, uh, financial inclusion is the big thing right now because it, it can change so many things um, in how we uh, in how we can give a, a bit more sense of meritocracy and transparency uh, in the region. So, so everything related to, to mobile payment, uh, payment, lending platforms, to insurance policies, I think is fundamental and. Um, as we were talking earlier, the fact that in countries like Nigeria, but it's, it's, it's the case in many African and, and also in Latin America, I heard, it, this upfront system of paying uh, two, three years upfront, your rent, uh, same thing for so many other services, it gives no chance to anyone at the bottom of the period to climb the social ladder. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: It's impossible, impossible. So how can we also fight this and find attractive solutions to give a chance to people to actually have the concept of long-term investment um, to build a better life?
1: Yeah, because you have a million of your income and expenditure. You have a person earning a monthly salary, and then he's forced to pay two years' rent in January 2016, where, where is that person going to get that money? There's no credit card system. There's no mortgage or anything of the sort. So that perpetually keeps the person enslaved to some type of debt somewhere.
0: No, it's um, it's, it's it's a real pain and it's uh, it's it's dramatic and we need to find a solution.
1: Yeah. So another thing we had talked about earlier was um, the issue of meritocracy in terms of young people being able to find jobs and as a result of the lack of jobs given the trendiness of um, entrepreneurships and startup cultures where you find a lot of people going into um, startups as it were so um, how does how does that affect your job in terms of being able to differentiate the signal from the noise being able to decide hey, these guys actually are all in, in this venture, and they're not like trying to play startup until a nice job opportunity in ExxonMobil or Shell comes along, and then they digit and jump into that other opportunity. Um,
0: what's very attractive of Nigerians as a talent pool is that I think in the DNA, um, Nigerians are fundamentally hustlers. Uh, which is a very important trait when building a company. What lacks is the entrepreneurial education of systemizing the processes so that they can have a scalable business. Because, I mean, time has a very different uh, meaning than elsewhere, or um, processes has a very different uh, definition. Um, I think we still need to build the right education and infrastructures, and there's more and more happening between Yaba and different uh, uh, kind of hubs uh, of entrepreneurs to help build more uh, solid entrepreneurs, where the choice of going back to Exxon, it won't be interesting. In the meantime, uh, as mentioned, face-to-face, we're here, so we're living it, we're hearing about it, we're meeting with them, we, we understand the a bit more, I'm not saying completely, the subtleties of the culture, the background. Um, we understand what it means to be three hours in traffic rather than if you were uh, from Europe investing in a company. It would be very difficult to understand the logistical problems uh, that that a company could face here. There's no um, – it's time and it's uh, really getting to know the entrepreneur – it mentally makes the decision possible.
1: Oh, okay. And uh, um, focusing on the Nigerian one, for example, um, well, did you come to Nigeria for the first competition? Yes. For the first sir. round? Okay.
0: Yeah, 2013.
1: Okay, so were there any companies that you had passed on in your initial screening that has gone to huge success, and you were like, oh, man, I think we missed that one. And um, how has that affected your ability to revise um, the lens with which you look at companies in Nigeria? Huh.
0: Um, So... Nigeria is big for us with the seed start competition because that's uh, the Nigerian Nigerian winner of 2013 simple pay was uh, the yeah. winner of 2013 with partners so um, it was actually a very successful hub for us um, the runner-ups were excellent I remember in 2013 we had recyclers which uh, is Mm -hmm. a beautiful Mm -hmm. company that tries to solve the issue of waste management by building a system uh, where if uh, people um, today recycle plastic bottles, have benefits and a point system that they can reuse, kind of as a virtual cash um, proposal. Mm -hmm. I thought she was excellent.
1: Yeah, I had Billy on the show. She's quite good.
0: Exactly. So she is typically this driven entrepreneur that gives you faith and trust uh, when you put money in her business. Um, I think she still has to tackle issues, and it's such a big problem that she needs to get involved uh, with public institutions. But um, the entrepreneur, she, she was amazing. She is amazing. And what she does is a very impressive. So um, that was a very uh, interesting company. And we have this all the time. Uh, but it's uh, we have uh, X amount of resource and uh, time, so we need to manage that also.
1: Yeah. And um, another big thing is um, the culture of failure. So in Silicon Valley and maybe Western Europe, you know, uh, entrepreneurs are allowed to try something, it fails, you try again, it fails. And whereas in emerging markets, or take, for example, in Nigeria, the culture is not quite as forgiving as other places like Silicon Valley. So um, what do you think of that, or what do you think, what What have you seen thus far? Is there a change in that Um
0: I think the fear of failure, uh, like, failure is really, really accepted, uh, embraced in Tel Aviv and Silicon Valley.
2: That's the only
0: places where I've really seen it. Even in Europe in general and elsewhere, culturally, it's never really accepted. Nigeria, what's interesting, like Nairobi, uh, sorry, Lagos, like Nairobi, is that Because there's this kind of hustling attitude, everyone tends to have more than one job. And so you tend to have failed in one, recreate another, find some kind of uh, business on the side, play street smart uh, to get through. And that, uh, in one sense, is is a certain acceptance of failure. But I agree, as soon as you take external money from investment and you lose that money, uh, it gets very difficult to raise a second round. Um, This will come with time, Uh, the ecosystem has um, grown a lot since 2013. Uh, It will take time, but success breeds success, so as soon as we'll have more success stories and our local Mark Zuckerbergs, um, it will be much easier to attract the next young generation to build and fail, build and fail until they succeed.
1: Right. So, um, as we start to wrap up, let's let's take some you know, quick rapid fire questions, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll just get a sense of um, what you're like personally. So, could you tell me, um, looking back on your career thus far in in this world, was there anything you think you'd have done differently if you could go back in time?
0: No, because I wouldn't be here today.
1: Okay. And um, with regards to your influences and your influencers, are there any particular books, programs, um, websites, or magazines, articles that you read, follow, or, or study that help you become a better executive, a better investor, a better manager?
0: Um, so I, I'm on many blogs and we have uh, this great internal chat system with the whole team where I receive on average 10 articles per day. So um, our, the team and our network is the one that provides us really interesting insights. Uh, books, uh, the Lean Startup methodology was really something that um, taught me a lot and kind of systemized, <clears throat> systemized my process and thinking. Everyone's telling me to read Zero to One from Peter Thiel. I still haven't read it, so if I had to recommend, uh, I'd recommend the one that I've been recommended. <laughs> and um, and in general, also we to, to keep kind of the motivation and, and uh, keeping new information. We also all try to, on average, go to one conference, meetup, uh, discussion uh, every month.
1: Oh, okay, including in in Nigeria.
0: Unfortunately, I'm traveling a lot. I've missed several opportunities of uh, interesting conferences here, but, uh, of course, including Nigeria.
1: Okay. And um, so what's the dynamic like between your teammates? You have two of your other teammates on ground with you. Who who are those teammates on ground, and what's the dynamic like working day-to-day with these guys or gals?
0: Day-to-day is... uh, work, work, work. I don't know how I could personalize it more than that. Um, but they're focusing on building tech companies in Nigeria. FinTech and InsureTech is kind of our um, focus for the moment. So I, they have much more interaction and meetings uh, with the kind of Local reality from administration to uh, uh, to, to, to to everything that uh, Nigerians would work with, and um, and yeah, we we have our weekly meetings, discussions, etc.
1: Okay. And um, who's an entrepreneur that you admire, and why do you admire that person?
0: Well, right now, I think like many, I am really impressed with Elon Musk and his. <laughs> It's so impressive how he's all in in everything he does. I think that is something that still fascinates me today. Uh, so I'm kind of uh, very much following the trend like everyone else. And uh, then there are many local entrepreneurs I have met, uh, which especially women entrepreneurs that that already have a family, children, and are still managing their business over 20 markets. And it impresses me to see how they can build Hello. A real personal and professional business. <laughs> family being the personal one, and for um, I still don't have family, but it's very, it's very inspiring to see this, these women taking on. Oh,
1: okay. Give me some names of those women that um, you draw inspiration from.
0: Uh, there's, uh, for example, Halam, which is our winner from Vietnam last year, who is 28 with three children, uh, one travel online business. She has She does it all <laughs> i don
1: 't know how, but she does it all. all right, so um this is just like the last one minute wrap up I was, yep. just, I was just going to find out you know where can people reach you any, any parting words of wisdom and um, is there anything else you want to mention, like the competition coming up in um <clears throat> excuse me in march so um, so what 's your parting word of wisdom for a young entrepreneur that's trying to start company in Nigeria or any other emerging market?
0: It's going to be so tough, so painful, but please do it because we really need more creative, innovative, impactful solutions in Nigeria. And the biggest risk is not to take risk.
1: Okay. And um, you guys are having your wrap-up of the 2015 um, session. In March, um, in Switzerland, right? March 2016 in Switzerland. So yes, on the 3rd of what, March. 3rd of March. So, what can we expect in that finale?
0: Um, a lot of emotions because it really will where we unite all 60 entrepreneurs from 60 countries under one uh, conference room and the finalists pitch for the investment opportunities. We also have many other prizes, $50,000 grant from Inmarsat, the satellite provider, which are very interested in connectivity and all solutions around it. Um, we even have a luxury Swiss watch manufacturer that will be offering a beautiful watch to the most innovative company. I'm really sad that I won't be able to get that. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and it will be reuniting all our partners, ambassadors, investors, public hist- institutions. So we, we hope to become the annual summit um, to discuss entrepreneurship, a forum where we can um, define the next trends and solutions for emerging economies. And um, and I hope everyone can make it because it's uh, a lot of emotions and good vibes.
1: Okay. And tickets are still being sold, correct?
0: For... Yes, absolutely. Seedstarsworld.com.
1: Okay, great. And um, with that said, it's been pleasure getting to know you, learning more about Seed Stars, your experience thus far, and your adventures. And, um, yeah, we look forward to talking to you and hearing more about the competition, the venture building, and all the other things you guys have planned for the next round, which is going to start. How soon is your next round?
0: It will start in end of April. We'll be announcing the new cities and itinerary early April and off again for 2016, the fourth edition. I don't think we'll be growing in number of cities, so still to expect around 60 cities for 2016.
1: Okay, great. All right, guys, so better get your kits ready and start working on building your business because the 2016 session is going to be starting in April and obviously the sooner you start getting your applications in the maybe not the better your chances but at least you have a leg up on people that get to find out about these things late and do not participate because they do not know so thanks for Coming on the show, Alize, I really appreciate the time you spent and all the Thank- knowledge bombs you've, yeah. you've dropped for us.
0: Thank you so much for your time and interest in what we do. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources, and we'll see you next time on ordeshi the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.
2: Yes, I wanna build my home.